In this episode, we discuss shadow work. We talk about what it really is, dispel some of the myths around it, give you some tips for how you can do it in your life, and talk about some of our personal shadow work experiences. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, I think we should talk about shadow work today. What do you think? Yes, I love this. I love shadow work. I feel as though I do shadow work for kind of a living. I feel like this podcast involves a lot of shadow work. <laughs> That's a good point. But I I get a little, you know this about me, I get a little annoyed because I feel like a lot of people misrepresent what shadow work is. Yeah. And I think that shadow work is kind of trendy now, but it's not, I think it's something that we all actually intuitively do. We're just not aware. Yeah. And it, it's become one of these things in the intuitive world. Um, it's one of the these psychological concepts that the intuitive world grabs. You see this mm-hmm. a lot, right? And then they kind of run with it, which is awesome. And I love the crossover between that, right? But they sort of run with it. And I'm like listening to people talk about it. And I'm like, that's not what shadow work is. Like, what, <laughs> what have you, what have you done to this amazing concept? And then, like we make things more complicated and out of reach for people. And this is one of those things. And it, it really irritates me. Yeah. And shadow work is also, I feel like it's now sort of being used for clout. Like, yeah. oh, we're not ready for shadow work yet. Like it's this right. sort of upper echelon thing or only like the fiercest, the bravest go in and do shadow work. And like, I think true to this podcast that we need to sort of just like cut the bullshit out of all this stuff and like get to the the sort of root of what shadow work really is. Can cut the bullshit be our new tagline? <laughs> yes. That's the new merch. That's a new t-shirt. Yeah. Cut our imaginary merch line now. Said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what shadow work is and where it came from. And then let's discuss shadow work because of all of the topics that anyone could ever talk to me about things to do with shadow work and how you're working on them in your own life are my absolute favorite. Right. Exactly. I think it's your favorite too. I know. I love it. So in order to understand what shadow work is, I think we need to know where the term comes from. Yes. The term comes from a very famous psychologist named Carl Jung. Yes. It is spelled J-U-N-G. He was a very famous therapist. He was born in 1875 and died in 1961. So I would call that more of a modern day. Yep, definitely. So he was a Swiss psychologist and had Mm -hmm. a big influence He's awesome. Now, I think he might be a cool person to do a whole episode on, honestly, yep. because there's so much of his work that I love. The The vast majority of his work, I really, really love. There are some elements that I'm like a little like, you know, kind of how I feel about Freud. Yeah, but so much of what we hear in this culture about psychology is based on Freud or Jung that it would be important to know about them. Yeah. So super cool. One of my favorite things about 
Carl Jung is that he really took on presenting psychology to get it away from the idea that anything negative that you were thinking or doing or experiencing was like the work of the devil. Right, exactly. He wanted you to understand that that was normal and okay and not evil or bad. And, you know, like if you had a dream where you murdered someone, it didn't mean the devil had entered your body at night. Or that you were going to murder someone. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So like you have to, you have to understand, because I think it's important to point out that this was still like the church was still incredibly influential when it came to mental health. I mean, I feel like they still are. That's a tangent I'll try to avoid. But especially at this time when he came in and he really worked hard to like bring us to a place of where we are today, where we're starting to get rid of the stigma and really understand mental health in a different way. Right. So he coined the term shadow self. So your shadow self, I'm going to explain what that is. And shadow work just became something that people started saying. Carl Jung didn't come up with that term, but people started saying when they were working on parts of their quote unquote shadow self. Exactly. It's just sort of an extension of that. Right. Okay. So what the shadow self is, is the unconscious parts of ourself that our ego doesn't want to identify in itself. That's the psychological explanation, right? It's like the things our ego doesn't want to admit are a part of us. I would like to take this and make it like an explanation that would be in the verbiage of you and I. (laughs) Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. I also have to confess right now that I Marco Polo Jamie yesterday and I was like, do people know this, Jamie? Is this like a really obvious thing that I'm saying? And Jamie was like, no, you need to explain that that's actually something people will like to hear. So (laughs) here's, here's what I want you to understand real quick. You've heard me talk about this before on many episodes. I'm sure there are two elements to who you are, your intuition and your ego. Your intuition's job is, is desire to, Find what you desire to make you happy, to make you feel fulfilled, to go after things, to feel things, to evolve. All of that is your intuition's job. Your ego's job is to keep you safe. End of list. (laughs) And it does that by using fear, right? So fear is this, this really healthy thing that comes in and then we take what our intuition says and we take what our ego says and we, we use both of that information to decide what to do. We are our own being. We get to decide. We're influenced by these things though, right? Exactly. The ego happens to be quite the complicated thing, though. And we live in a society that celebrates ego and doesn't really help us to understand the balance between desire and fear. And that what you're, the thoughts that you're thinking and feelings that you're feeling are just things, they're just messages, basically. And then you can take that, the information in those messages and do things. So if you're afraid of, you know, leaving your job, but you really hate it and your intuition is like making you feel miserable when you're there, but you're like, I'm afraid of leaving because what if I don't, you know, make as much money or what if I regret it? Some people just stop and go, oh, so I shouldn't. Exactly. Right. Not what your ego is saying. It's going like, hey, here's some information of things that you should look out for because they could cause you emotional distress. Yeah. It's giving you some potential outcomes. So you would take this information that you get from your ego with fear, right? And you would go, how do I make a plan towards what my intuition is telling me to do, but I take this into consideration so I don't experience this emotional hardship that my ego is warning me about, right? Right, exactly. These are the basics of how your intuition and ego work. 
However, <laughs> your ego is basing stuff on just evidence from your life, things it's experienced. And it's also like, it's going, this emotional thing that we went through will happen absolutely every time, right? Like this is only like this, like weird form of logic that happens when your ego is processing fear for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. The ego is sort of like this misinformed science. It, it thinks it's science, yeah. but it's not, it doesn't actually know what's going to happen and, it, and it's not intuition. So it can't see into the future. Right. Exactly. exactly. So an example would be like, if you had this like really bad breakup and it was right. with, with a guy who was like really into like skateboarding say, right. And then five years later you start dating someone who's into skateboarding and your ego panics because it assumes the same terrible thing is going to happen because it's like connected some weird detail. Right. Exactly. That's a great example. So you feel all this triggered and all this fear. And sometimes you don't even understand fully why. Right. So that's what your ego does. Okay. There's this whole other element to your ego though. And it's part of this, but it's one that we don't talk about enough. In my opinion, I don't think I could physically talk about it enough. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is really like your specialty right here. Yeah. So this is the idea that like whatever you don't like about yourself, whatever you is basically you have a shitty story about and your ego is like replaying the shitty story for you over and over again. Right. And then it becomes like who you are and how you see yourself. Exactly. And the problem with this, and I will go into detail about this, but the problem with this is that every time you think this shitty story, you experience shame. Yes. Shame is one of the absolute most terrible things to experience on an energetic level, on a physical level, for your life, for your mental health, all of this stuff. So it might sound like, oh, so what? I, you know, call myself, you know, a bad name or I, I don't like this about myself or I avoid thinking about this. But what you're doing is like basically pouring toxic energetic chemicals into your system every single time you think it. Right. Well, and when we talk about all these types of things, we always sort of correlate it to the science if we can, or the frequency and like Mm -hmm. energetically frequency wise, shame is like right above death. Yes, exactly. Literally, Like, and I'm not saying that I'm not exaggerating, like the actual energetic frequency that you can measure through science when you feel that feeling of shame only registers like just above like being dead. Exactly. And it isn't just something that humans experience toxicity in. There's all kinds of cool studies you can look into where people are like saying things to shame a plant yeah, and the plant dies. There's like two plants and then they say like really nice things to one. And I think there's usually three. There's nothing on the other plant. They don't say anything to it. And then they say all this really negative, shameful stuff to the other plant. And like every single freaking time, it's like, the shamed plant shrivels and dies because of that energy, right? That frequency. Yeah. And the one that's being told all this nice, beautiful, wonderful stuff is like flourishing. So it's, it's just a, it's like an in nature. It's not just a human concept. Right. But so that inner voice that you hear when your ego is kicking up and you're like, Jesus, Jamie, get it together. Why are you always like this? Like that track that plays in your head, whatever that story is, like, why are you such a klutz? Like, why, why do you, why are you so loud all the time? Whatever that story is, that actually has an energetic impact on your body. Yes. A huge one. And it, it gives your ego this 
puffed up power that makes it even hard for you to feel and hear your intuition, right? Yes. Yes. So anytime, anytime you do any sort of work on one of these shitty ego stories that produces shame, you are doing shadow work. Exactly. Exactly. You, it's not this thing that like, oh, you're not ready for it. Or there's some dark energy you're calling in. I don't understand where that came from. I could guess. I just don't. That's not what shadow work is at all. I mean, I, I think that people, it's sold that there has to be this sort of like, you have to do it at night and there have to be candles and you have to like be ready to like face your inner demons. It has to be this really scary, overpowering thing. And I mean, to an extent it is. Mm-hmm. Scary. It, is, it is hard. It's not, we're not saying it's easy, but it's not this big dramatization that you hear about like on social media or with different, you know, authors or influencers. If anything, the part that you should be having pause around is, should this be something I dig up with a therapist? Correct. Right. If it's that, if it's that rough, you need professional help. Yeah. Or even if it's not that rough and you just want some support, absolutely. Go to someone who understands that. That's, I don't think there are many therapy sessions that don't have shadow work as a huge component to it. Agreed. But literally any time you do work on one of these stories, any time you dig into and ask yourself, why am I feeling like this? Like what's going on? Anytime you notice shame entering the room, like shame has entered the building, right? And you question it, you're doing shadow work. You do not need to be like a high level, you know, star or whatever shaman. You don't have to, you don't have to be any of that. You can just lean in and look at that. And that is shadow work every single time that you do it. And people who are not intuitive do shadow work all the time too. It's not an intuitive concept. It is a psychological concept that a lot of people who are into intuitive stuff want to better themselves and they want to do work on themselves. Your intuition leads you to do that. That's why we're all here doing this work, right? Right. So that's why there's the crossover, but there is no calling in negative energy or dark energy or some sort of bad entity. There, there is none of that with shadow work. And I really don't like that there's this thing put out there that that's what it is. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Don't misrepresent my shadow work, baby. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want to talk about doing some shadow work and I, I will in a minute. And I want to talk about examples and I want to... I'll bring up some real life ones and I'll I'll talk about some that I see often in in people. But what I want you to really, really get and really, really hear me say is that anything that you don't like about yourself is shadow work. Anything, like anything that you don't like about yourself is your ego making a shitty shadow story. And the only reason you don't like that thing about yourself is because you felt shame around being it or experiencing it or doing it or letting someone see it at one point. It's not actually bad. Right. Because there are things that you've done in your life that you haven't liked or that have failed or that have been embarrassing that you haven't created a story about that haven't sort of traumatized you. Right. So it's, so it's, it's not the shame itself. It's not, it's not the bad experience itself. It's the story that we tie to it that has to be unraveled. Exactly, exactly right. Like, do you guys remember if you listened to last week's episode when our obsessed segment, Jamie talked about the spooky headband? 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That was you doing shadow work. Exactly. Because at some point growing up, you got the message somewhere that other people giving things to you or you receiving was somehow unsafe and that not having already had the spooky headband on your head made you feel shame. Okay. Then you felt shame for having to accept something and not give something that you felt was equal in return. So the shame had entered the building. And so you dealing with it and, and going through that was you doing shadow work. Exactly. So it's not always going like, you know, we're going to give some examples of like some like big shifts you can make with shadow work, but sometimes it's just leaning into something that feels uncomfortable and shameful and like taking a different road with it and going like, I don't, I'm not following that script. I don't like that. Right. It's, I mean, if you're using the shadow analogy, it's, it's like just bringing light to something right? Like the stuff that you're hiding, the stuff that you're putting into the shadows for whatever reason, like sort of digging that out and looking at it. That's where it's hard, right? You have to dig it out and look at it and look at why it created that shame, why it created that response in your system and why your ego feels so deathly afraid that it has to protect you. But it's just stuff that needs light. It needs to be looked at. That is such an like perfection of a segue because my next thing that I was going to explain has to do with that. And I, I feel like you just explained the, the lead up better than I was going to. So <laughs> well done. <laughs> the idea of shadow doesn't mean evil. No, it doesn't mean dark energy. Like even, even when people talk about dark energy, they are talking about energy that's lacking light. The concept of it being good and evil is a, a religious patriarchal concept that before patriarchal religion did not exist. Exactly. There were things that were more in the dark and there were things that were more in the light and things that had darker energy just meant that like, it wasn't as like acknowledged. It wasn't as worked through. It wasn't as healed. That's all that ever meant. Yeah, And some of us like it better in the dark. Like some of us are some <laughs> of, like, Dark and light isn't good or bad. Like no. that's all we've been heard. That's all we've been taught, you know, in this society, on this world now. Some things do better in the dark. There are some plants that only bloom at night. You know, some of us are better when we're alone. We all just have to find what that balance is. And then we have to bring it to our own inner selves. Yeah, it's all just polarity. Look at the planet right. we're on. It's a balance of light and dark constantly. You know, the, right. the night is not the bad part, right? Like the dark right. is not the evil part, right? Like it's, and the light isn't the good part. <laughs> like it's it's just this like strange concept that like we've ha- we're having trouble separating from like religion. And if you believe yeah. that, that's okay. But you need to separate that from things like psychiatry because it doesn't belong there. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so if we if we take that, right, and we think, okay, so th- being in the shadow, right, just means that it, you haven't brought light to it. If we put psychological terms back on that, we would say it's unconscious. Yes. Okay, or in the subconscious. Either of those terms, they, bo- they mean the same thing, okay? Right. So that just means that the stuff in the light is the stuff you're conscious of, that your conscious mind is going like, okay, I'm aware, and fully right. aware of this situation. Stuff that's in a shadow so is in your unconscious or your subconscious, and you're not fully conscious of the whole thing. Exactly. 
So back when you were a kid, if you felt shame around something and you didn't like it about yourself, you kept it in the, in the dark, you kept it in the subconscious working through what that actually was about you because you didn't like that about yourself. So you sort of try to disconnect from it and you're like, let me disconnect from it. I don't want anyone to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be that. So I'm just going to keep it down there. And so things that are unhealed that you haven't processed and worked through just sort of sit. I mean, I sort of picture them as these like big, almost like heavy boulders that you're energetically dragging around in your, in your unconscious or your subconscious all the time. Yes, exactly. That's a great metaphor. And once you bring them to your conscious mind, right, you start to, it's this process, right, where you start like unpeeling, like the layer, like there's more and okay, what, where does this come from? And what other things offshoot from that? As you're doing that process, you are doing shadow work because you're taking the thing that you're not letting be conscious and you're bringing it into the conscious. And once you do that, if you change the shitty shame story that you made, you will heal it. And it sounds like a simple thing when I'm saying it like this, but I feel like there should be dramatic music playing because when you change the shitty story, I don't think I could find words to describe how life-changing and freeing it is to do that. Exactly. I mean, those are where you have your epiphanies or these sort of cathartic moments, these you know, aha moments of your life is when you are dragging. I mean, that's, this is what, when we're talking about shadow work, this is what Heather and I mean when we say like, you got to do the work. Yes. Right. Like when people say like, you got to do the work, it's saying, this is what you have. You have to bring this stuff to light because until you bring it out, until you drag those boulders out and you look at it, you can never heal it because you're never aware of it consciously. Exactly. And, And that is where some people, I think, get scared. And so they're always trying to fix behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Like, why am I always late, right? I, why can't I be Why can't I be on time? I don't know. That, that's not my shadow work. Definitely not your shadow work. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, rather than just setting five alarms and, and fixing the behavior, you're going to constantly run into obstacles about that because you're not actually looking at what am I afraid of, of showing up on time as my best self. You've got to dig behind the conscious behavior and into what's causing that. Yes. It, this is not the best analogy, but it's the one that's coming into my head. But it's sort of like that idea of putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound, right? right <laughs> like, exactly. If you're just setting the alarms and you're you're frustrated by the fact that you're always late, and you feel bad every time you show up late, right? Um, and that's something that's going on. But like the alarms that you set and then like the driving super fast and then not eating breakfast and like all that stuff, if it's repeatedly happening and you're feeling bad about it all the time is you not doing the shadow work and it's making you feel awful and people are afraid to lean into the shadow work. But I'm telling you right now, all that shit you're doing, all those band-aids you're slapping on all that, all those times you're feeling shame are way worse than the, the, the moments and sort of those, that like feeling for a minute when you see the thing and you get it, you bring it into the light That does not feel as bad as people think it does. I, I feel like you have that moment of being punched in the gut and then you feel instantly better. That's always been my experience. I friggin' love that moment. I love it. I look forward to the gut punch to be honest. Yeah. Cause then, cause then you change, you can't change without that. You take, you take the hit, you have that oof moment and then you're like, Oh, 
And sometimes that's enough just to recalibrate the energy. Just bringing it to your consciousness will make a huge impact. A huge impact. You can do more with it. You can do nothing else but that and you'll see a big difference. But like what we're describing is like literally what it feels like to become more powerful. Exactly. So, I mean, I know that that sounds kind of dramatic, but that's exactly what happens because these things have power over you, right? These things are influencing you. They're making you feel bad and you're overcoming them constantly, you know, and it might seem like not a big deal. It might seem mild and like just a little thing you're overcoming, but you're literally overcoming it all the time. It's that like pebble in your shoe while you're walking around, right? It's this little pebble but it's wreaking yes. havoc on your whole experience of your walk. Exactly. And and don't tell me it's not powerful to understand as much as you can about yourself, your subconscious, and why you behave in certain ways. Of course, that's powerful. Yeah. Every time you have had an interaction with somebody where they on purpose made you feel bad, they are just showing you the parts of themselves that they keep in shadow. That is their unhealed shit getting thrown all over you. Right. Because it's so sort of, it's probably simmering and bubbling so much under the surface that they can't control it anymore. Yeah. And they're, they're constantly feeling triggered by feelings of powerlessness. When you don't do work on yourself, when you don't bring, when you don't do shadow work, when you don't bring that stuff into the light, you are in a constant state of being triggered about how you feel powerless. And when people are in that constant state, what they do, and sometimes this is unconscious of them, is they try to un, like undermine your power because that feels easier than addressing their own stuff. So you're just looking at someone not doing shadow work basically. You bring up such an excellent point about power. And I think, I mean, this could probably be a whole other episode. Cause I think that when you talk about power, you're picturing like, you know, some sort of superhero and being like powerful like that. But for me, power is, and, and it happened gradually for, you know, doing all this work for years, slowly doing the shadow work, looking at these boulders I was dragging around. And it doesn't, you know, you do have these aha moments, but you don't feel like, oh, I'm the superhero now and I'm running around and nothing hurts me. But what I did notice is that things, what you just said, things just don't trigger me anymore. Things, uh, I can be upset by something. I can be irritated. I don't have to like everything, but not everything causes this like root chakra trauma response in me because I've spent so much time looking at all that stuff in the shadow. Yes. I, somebody asked me this question the other day and it's making me think of it when you're describing this, they said, how do you get to the point where like what you're saying, Heather, with like your intuition and your ego are just giving you information. How do you get to the point where you just hear the information and then you decide your reaction instead of just instant reacting to them all the time? And what you just said is the answer. That's power. That power is, is to, to feel anger, to feel frustration, to feel shame, to feel fear, to fear, feel any of that stuff and to take a pause and to take a breath and instantly go, that's not, that's just information. And to not go, that's the truth. Yes. That's a big deal. There are people, when I used to do one, like one-on-one sessions a lot, it would be especially men, which could also be its own episode of what we do to men emotionally as we raise them. Good. Yes. Okay. 
who would be talking to me about, you know, men are a lot of times more comfortable with saying anxiety, which is fine. I like that term very much. But what a lot of times what they're describing is feeling instantly triggered by their ego. Right. Okay. So their ego brings up a piece of information and they're instantly triggered and and they're sort of like swimming in dealing with that. Right. Yes. Okay. So they'll say, okay, I'm, I'm in that space. And I would say, well, that isn't you. Like those aren't your thoughts. That's just your ego giving you information. Right. They would be baffled by that. Because it all sounds the same in your head when you're just starting. Yeah. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to simplify this too much, but I want to keep it simple, but I, I don't even care if it sounds like I'm trying to oversell the concept of doing this work and understanding these things, because that changes someone's life when they go, Oh, that negative, bad, scary thought that I just had isn't me. It's just my ego bringing a fear to my attention or that impulse to do something isn't just me. It's just my intuition trying to get my attention to look at that. Like, oh, that's actually really freeing to a lot of people. They don't, they don't think of it that way. Absolutely. It's not you having good or evil thoughts. It's not how it works. Oh. No angel and devil. There's an ego and an intuition. And they're, they'll work together if you learn how to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Shadow work is a beautiful example of your intuition and ego working together. Exactly. I have a really, I, I want to share with everyone the thing I Marco Polo'd you about to be like, do people know this? And you were like, no, that needs to be explained. Yes. Um, I want to share that with everyone. And okay. then I'm going to talk about some like real shadow work. Like I, I'm going to give you some examples of my own in my life and we can discuss those. And there it's much simpler than you think. And I bet a lot of you have a lot of these beliefs that I had that I had to work through and still work on. You know, that's another point. You don't just heal something once you have to continuously work through it. Right. right exactly. So I want to do all that, but I think we should take a quick break and then come back. We'll let everyone breathe for a second and then we'll kind of dig into those things. How does that sound? Perfect. All right, let's do it. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, Jamie, do you know what goes really well with listening to a podcast? A great cup of coffee. Yep. And if you're local to South Shore, Massachusetts, you've got to check out Restoration Coffee. They're a specialty coffee shop that's been voted best coffee on the South Shore numerous times. And they offer more than just a great cup of coffee. They have specialty lattes, breakfast and lunch options, a cool vibe, and a really friendly staff. And if you're local or not, you can also order their beans, which are roasted in-house, by the way, and have them shipped anywhere. Yes. I'm going to go grab myself an Americano. No, grab me a Rachel with oat milk. That's my favorite latte. All right. You got it. And you know what, Jay? The owner is also really hot. Um, You should know you're married to him. <laughs> All right, visit restoration-coffee.com. That's restoration-coffee.com. And tell them that the intuitive girl sent you. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. All right, so this week is another TikTok. <laughs> We're going to have to name it TikTok obsession segment. TikTok obsession. I think everyone should just note that we are obsessed with TikTok. So we, when we talk about what we're obsessed with, it's a lot of times going to be influenced by TikTok. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, that's where you get a lot of information. There are a lot of intuitive people 
on TikTok doing this stuff. Yeah, exactly. So this is a TikTok that I saw and I had this moment like, oh God. (laughs) So I immediately sent it to Heather. (laughs) And it basically, I'll post it on the Instagram like I do when there's an actual TikTok to share. I'll put it on the Instagram after this airs. But it's basically this woman talking about how she was speaking about it being a parent, but I think you can apply it to anywhere in your life. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about having this reaction to your child when they do something that you perceive is wrong mm-hmm. and how she calls it. She says the generational pattern thinks that something is wrong. Oh, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, I had this moment of like, Oh my God. I, th- like when you have this sort of visceral reaction to something and you're, and you're just like mad or irritated and you're like, that's not right. Or that's not fair. Or you shouldn't be doing this. A lot of the times it's that generational pattern that you've learned. It's been ingrained, not only in your life, in your life and your subconscious, but in your DNA to a certain extent, literally, you know what I mean? Yes. So it's like that it, it's, it's something that your whole entire body and self has learned to read as wrong. Yes. But it doesn't have to be wrong. Yes. And this is why when we were talking about before, where like you have creating that space. Right. Not just reacting, but of like having the reaction and like looking deeper into it into, you know, it's something that I would say, oh, that's like programming. Right. But like to actually name the programming, like that's that. Like that, what did you call it? The generational pattern, the generational pattern that is so powerful because literally you're naming the energy. And so every time it happens, instead of having to like work through that space and deal with it emotionally, once you do it once you can just say, this is what a real spell is, right? You can just, oh, this is a generational pattern. And then you'll respond having like without the big emotional reaction. Exactly. And I think that, as a as a white woman, sort of my generational pattern, the, the part that I'm trying to unlearn and unravel in myself and hopefully stop from passing down to my children is white supremacy and right. is patriarchy, right? Like that's what Heather and I are always talking about, like the system, the system, the structure, the white supremacy as, as a society, like, this is what we're talking about. Like when we have these reactions of like, well, you have like, this is sort of, to me, it reads as like when people have like Karen moments. Yeah. Like when white women are like, what about me? Or this isn't how I'm supposed to be treated. It's because there's this like generational pattern where you feel X, Y, and Z is supposed to happen. Yes. And it creates that entitlement. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, Re relearning, like you said, to take a pause and be like, is this my ego? Is this my intuition? Is this a generational pattern? Why am I feeling this right now? Because I know that like when I'm barking at my kids, five minutes later, intuitively, I know that that wasn't the right call. Right. You know right. what I mean? So then I look and I'm like, oh, I wasn't allowed to act like that. That's and that's more triggering than we talk about. Yes. Your kids are having an experience and you've created an environment that allows for that experience. And you grew up in an environment that didn't allow for that experience. That experience didn't have a name. And you're not allowed your kid have it. 
And there's this part of you that's like, is this the right thing? Because it feels inherently wrong. Yeah, we talk about this a lot. Like, I think we are just obsessed with this in general. And we've talked about it before on here. But like, there's times where my kids have so much space and so much terminology and knowledge to be who they are and to feel their feelings and to have support around them that sometimes I'm like, is this bad? Because I didn't have any of that. And I turned out pretty tough. And like, am I making them not tough? Like you have this whole thing. Cause it's not just, it's not just the, the first reaction. It's then the argument that happens in your head where you're like trying to find the middle or the balance. It, it's really tough. And if you can just like access and go, Oh, I'm, this is the generational pattern stuff. It makes it so much easier. Really exactly. Does. And this, this breaking this generational pattern, that's shadow work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Like it's just another, it's a variation of it. It's like really sort of like really focusing on where it's coming from that. Like it's in the shadows of my ancestry, yeah. you know, but that like, I just feel like it's so, I felt like this was such a great topic to talk about with shadow work because it's a great way to really look at like, especially when you're feeling like, why does this piss me off so much? Or why am I so upset about this? Sometimes it's not actually you. Sometimes it's just something that you've been taught and it's been ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. I feel like this every time I shame myself for how my body looks. Yes. <laughs> this is this is programming that I have not released yet. And it it, it I do think it fits into the generational pattern because it my I wasn't taught to shame myself by my women role models. They didn't they weren't like let me right. shame you, but right. they felt shame that I inherited, right? So like Absolutely. sometimes it's it's that. And and sometimes it's like it's looking at how okay, how is I how is this pattern given to me? How would I like to do it instead? And where's the where's the good in both and where's the thing that I need to burn that burn down is like, and put all my energy on destroying. <laughs> like exactly, it's worth looking at. Absolutely. You know, parenting is hard and it's, it's hard for all kinds of reasons that don't even involve not handing your shit to your kids. <laughs> exactly. So it's just all difficult. Agreed. Yeah. So take this, take this generational pattern idea and maybe you can implement implement it somewhere in your life and and use it to take a pause. Notice it, change it, shift it, do some thinking around what you don't want to pass. You know, I think it's one of those things that when you realize like, Oh, this is the generational pattern. That's pretty much all that you need to know. I mean, you're, you're going to do some work around it, but that is going to change your perspective so much because you're going to realize it's one of those things where you can be like, Oh, this isn't mine. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is, it's not, it's not the best. It's you the best because you take the shame out of it. Yes. This isn't even mine. I just inherited it. Kept right. going with it. Yeah. Exactly. So now I can be done with it. Now I see it. I know I don't like it. It's not mm-hmm. working. And now mm-hmm. I can be done with it. Perfect. I love it. As we get into shadow work a little deeper here, I want to explain something about the intuition and the ego and how they operate. And this is the thing I hinted at earlier where I checked with Jamie to see if this was like super common knowledge or if it needed to be said. Exactly. And Jamie was like, I think people know it, but I think they don't, they haven't thought it out as far as you have. So. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> that's a common thing I'm told. Oh, I don't think anyone's gone <laughs> down that rabbit hole quite as far as you, Heather. So let's start with the intuition. Intuition only can work and operate in the present. Okay. <laughs> but you're going to have to explain because there's someone right now driving in their car going, well, then how do the people use intuition to like see the future or to see what's coming or something like that? I can feel people wanting to fight me already. And yep. that's all I've said. Okay. What it means, <laughs> what it means is you're only, if you're present, you can only access intuition in that moment. So when people are getting access to things in the future, what they're reading is what your present self is projecting. Yes. Okay. They're not They're not tuning into your future self. They're going, what energetically are you projecting out? And what is the most probable outcome of that? That's what's happening intuitively. From this present moment. This one. Because yes. here's what the problem with, with reading the future is, right? Is that the second you do something off of that track, the second you do a, a moment of shadow work, you right. or any work or have a different thought or have a new experience, you're all of that changes. Exactly. Could some of those things come true? Yes. It could. Right. You could stay on that track and that's not bad, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the tracks you go on all kind of lead to the same destination. So it's fine. That's what tarot readers are doing. That's what, you know, people gazing into a crystal ball. I hope they still still do that, but I think they do. <laughs> You know, that's, that's what's happening. They're going like energetically, what I'm getting from you is this, and this is what I see based on this present moment. Yep. Okay. Now let me say this part about the past. This part's a little trippy. So you might need like an extra sip of coffee or a deep breath, whatever you're doing, listening to this. Okay. When you go back, when you like intuitively dig into someone's past, all you're doing is tapping into the part of the person where the past is still happening. Got it. <laughs> Your whole energetic field doesn't read time in a like straight line. It reads it in kind of a circle. So it's like all like, that's why it's easy for people like me to tap in and find out something that happened to you when you were six, because whatever the issue is, let's say you're, you're working through your fear of abandonment, Right. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm tapping into your fear of abandonment in the present moment. I see a moment from your past. It's because that moment from your past is still currently influencing you. So energetically, it reads as present. Right. So it's not like when you're reading back, you're not like slipping into a wormhole or like getting into the TARDIS with Dr. Hugh, Dr. Who and going back in time. Time is not linear. So no. you're just reading how I'm still processing it, how I'm feeling about it, how it's affecting my energetic body. Yes. And only how it is in the present. Right. And not always what actually happened, but what your your energetic body is reacting to. Which is the story that your ego created about it. Exactly. Okay. So your intuition only works in the present. So if you start to feel anxious, okay, so what the energetically, what anxiety is, is like ping, like a ping pong ball or like bouncing really quick between you projecting to the future and you grabbing from the past. Okay. 
And it's like this vibrating, I, I feel like anyone who's ever felt anxiety feel can understand the feeling of the ping pong ball where you're like stuck bouncing back and forth between, well, this happened in my past and I'm going to project that it will happen in my future. Or I had a fear thought about it. So I'm projecting it happened in the future and you're not being present. Right. It's like the opposite of ground, feeling grounded is feeling anxious in my opinion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you're bouncing, right? There's nothing wrong with you. It's not a bad thing. Everybody does it, but some people just get stuck there more. All right. For whatever reason I could get into that, but basically sometimes for some people, the idea of being grounded at present itself is unsafe. There's a story yes. there. Okay. Right. So your, your intuition can't kick in or has a lot of trouble kicking in when you're in that state because you're not present. So you can't call it. Gotcha. It's also the reason why people are like, when I'm really sad and I'm trying to like feel the energy of like dead grandma or whoever to talk to me, I can't get there. And that's because you're not grounded. You're not present when you're doing that. You're feeling sad about something in the past or the future. Exactly. This is what intuition is. Okay. Make sense? Yep. Okay. Now let's talk about ego. This is the part that Jamie was like, you need to explain this. (laughs) (laughs) Your ego is only reacting to what is conscious. Yes. Your whole being is being influenced and triggered and dealing with all your unconscious shit all the time. Things, things that are going on in your body that are causing dis-ease and illness, a lot of that shit is from stuff that's in the quote-unquote shadow, the unconscious. And so I would think, I wanted Heather to say this because I would think that it would make more sense that the ego would know all this like quote unquote bad stuff and sort of be in charge of you not knowing about it, talking about it, working on it. Mm-hmm. Not how it works. Yeah. So I think that's okay. surprising. <laughs> when your brain is really, really amazing and powerful. I'm talking about your, your mind now. So like, like your conscious mind where you think and operates your body, that area. Okay. And when something traumatic happens or something that it doesn't like where it it can't find a story where you're powerful in it, it triggers this reaction with your ego. All right. And it closes it off and only grabs a shitty story from it. And then it walls it away. Okay. Okay. So what really happened, all you do is take some shitty story. Sometimes it's a good story, but most of the time with trauma, it's a shitty story. Right. Because trauma usually occurs in a moment where you can't find any sort of power. Powerlessness is a big thing with with trauma. Does that make sense? Okay. So your ego only is reacting to the part of it that's conscious. So let's say something bad happened to you, you know, when you were 10 and you made a shitty story about it, but like blocked it off and you can't even remember all the details Whatever the little string of that's conscious for you is the only thing your ego is reacting to. So here's why that's so crazy. Right. You're being influenced by not the truth and not the whole story. Right. You're only working with a fraction. You have a severe lack of information. And what your ego is trying to tell you is evidence is absolutely not evidence. Right. And that's why once you start to do the shadow work, it's easy, you know, relatively easy to rewrite them because you start to get all the information and then you can, you can debunk that story. Yeah. Your ego actually loves shadow work. People think like, Oh, my ego doesn't want me to see that. 
Nope. <laughs> Your ego would love the rest of the info because it's basically just being triggered by the little piece you know and you remember. And it's not truth. It's just a story. Whatever you use to get through that moment, to move from, from that moment to the next moment and keep walking forward, that's all it's basing anything on. Right. And the majority of that stuff is when you were a child without a developed set of skills to deal with it. Right. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk now about some of this work. Okay. I'm going to give you some examples in my own life of shadow work I've done that I think is pretty relatable. And then I'm going to force Jamie into one because she has one that is like a really relatable one as well. That's a beautiful example of shadow work. Right. And I've done most of my shadow work with you. So you can just say whatever you want. (laughs) The first one I want to bring up is the shitty story that I had that I was a know-it-all. Okay. This is a beautiful example of shadow work. Okay. And I know there are other people who feel this way too. So I picked this one because I think it's pretty, it's pretty common, especially among people who are information seekers who like to learn. They have this idea that they're a know-it-all. And I would like to also say that I believe women are told this a lot more than men. I was just going to say, this is a story that women tell themselves that not a lot of men tell themselves. Yes. So I had a shame, shitty story that I was a know-it-all. And what would happen would be that I would pretend I didn't know stuff. Oh, man. Isn't that terrible? I I would not speak up. I would not share information. I would ask questions. I would let other people appear as if they knew something and not not be the one speaking it myself to avoid being a know-it-all. I would also bargain with myself like, okay, well, you spoke about that. So you probably shouldn't speak about anything else. Oh, so you were moderating how much you are showing. Yep. And then because I'm an empath, I am also reacting to the energy of everyone in the room. And if they feel like they've had enough time to speak or if they have said enough or would this person rather me stop talking, right? Like it becomes a thing because not only do I know a lot of stuff, And am I just like a natural researcher? I'm also very passionate and I love to debate and I I want to get my point across. Mm -hmm. Those are all traits that I have. (laughs) And I hated them about myself. I felt shame every time I would do that. I felt shame anytime I would talk over someone or keep talking or, um, you know, make somebody put somebody in their place or have information that somebody else didn't have. I would leave social situations and go, what, how much, what majority of that was I speaking and what majority were others speaking? So what was the story behind that? That if you were, if you knew too much. Yeah. People would reject me. Uh, reject, go back to our, <laughs> to our, universal desires and fears episode they're all spoiler alert right now all of your shame stories are going to go back to one of those three most likely your biggest one right which heathers is rejection rejection okay so the thing that's the grossest to me is that i remember doing this more around men than i did around women uh of course it makes me want to vomit current self is like really irritated 
Well, but and that's the thing with shadow work or and just sort of existing as a human being is that like there's so much at play in everything that we do, like every minute of our lives. There's so much at play, your ego, your intuition, these generational patterns, the patriarchy, societal programming, like our own, you know, shared experiences as a society, our experiences as a human being, like individually, like there's so much at play that that makes sense for you, that you would not want to speak up around men. Yeah. So here's the thing about this shadow work and about all shadow work. You wouldn't, if you knew me back when this was still in the shadows, you wouldn't know it about me. Oh, really? I wouldn't tell you that I felt that way. I would Hmm. suffer silently. And I think a lot of people do this. I think a lot of women with this topic, I can tell you right now that in the majority of rooms I'm in, I'm the smartest person. Yes, preach it. And I don't feel shame about that anymore. I used to. Good. But I don't anymore. But I don't think that makes me better than anyone. I just refuse to apologize for it or be less intelligent to make other people feel better. That's not my job. That's your job. (laughs) Well, and if you're reading, if someone's reading you saying that as you saying you're better or superior, that's their own shit. Yeah. Shadow work alert. (laughs) Exactly. And it's them who needs the shadow work, not you. Yeah, because I, I freaking fought really hard to be able to say that out loud without dying. I still feel uncomfortable yes. saying it, but I'm going to say it because I want other women to start to feel comfortable saying things like that. Yes, agreed. Don't show up, right? Okay. So instead of dealing inner inside with all that grossness now and frequently apologizing for it too. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I talk too much? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, did you want to say something? I'm sorry. Gross, right? Instead of doing that now, what I say now is I'm very passionate. Right. So I'm going to give you a real life example. And if um, one of my my coworker besties is listening, Courtney, she will get a kick out of this. Okay. So okay, let's hear it. At, at the coffee shop that we own, we the general manager, Courtney and I work frequently together and talk to people together quite often. Early on, I said to her, I am very passionate and I like to talk and I like to talk about all the things that I know. I'm going to keep talking and I don't want you to feel like you can't interrupt me. I would, I like it. I would like you to interrupt me and I would like you to tell me if I'm doing that too much. And then I stopped feeling bad about it. And what did she say? Great. I don't really want to be the one talking. I would love to be a supportive nodder. And she now has no problem interrupting. Like, wait a second, Heather, I want to add something. And she does it. And now we work well. And here's why I use this example. If I had stayed in the shame state about it, in the in the shadow, right? If that had been in the shadow, we would not have that dynamic now because I would be constantly feeling insecure about how much to say and like feeling bad. Like, like it wouldn't, it would never work. I would have never been confident enough to be like, you need to interrupt me. You need to tell me if I didn't give you enough space to speak instead of going like, I'm so sorry. Sometimes they talk too much. Like that's not the right, that's not the right lane. Does that make sense? Like if you go, I have a tendency to do this. I have a tendency to talk a lot. Sometimes I talk over people. It's not because I'm trying to be rude. Please call me out. Please tell me. I have a lot of shit to say. Please feel free to interrupt. That gives someone the freedom to let me be myself and then them be themselves. Exactly. And all without judgment. Yeah. And, you know, in the majority of situations I'm in, the other person I'm with is relieved because a lot of people don't want to be the talker. Exactly. That's a good point. So, 
being honest about that. And then if someone says something or you can create a signal, like I'm still, I'm not like talking over people a lot, but there are times when I'm like, I realize I'm still talking and haven't thrown to someone or I went on to the next point and I didn't stop. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have a point? Like I'm conscious of it. It doesn't mean you can just be a jackass about something, but when you stop walking around apologizing for who you are, especially the things that are like kind of cool about you, it feels right. I can't even describe how much better it feels. And that's that power that we were talking about. Yeah. So I shifted. Exactly. I shifted the story that my ego had that I was a know-it-all. Right. Yep. And instead I said, I'm passionate. Yes. That's it. That's the only thing I changed. Like, so when I'm talking to people, I'm like, Hey, I get really passionate about stuff that I talk about. And sometimes I just keep talking. So please feel free to interject or interrupt, or just give me a tap. If I'm doing something that makes you feel bad about it. Right. And And instead of feeling like a shame spiral every time I had to talk. Right. And I've had moments where I've like, I've said to people like, Hey, like I'm sort of a loud mouth on this topic. Like, (laughs) Let me know if I need to be quiet. That's not the right energy. No, that's not not pain in the ass. It's I'm really passionate about this. And I, and I really like sort of love to take the lead on this stuff. Let me know if you want to jump in. Yeah. And you know, doing it that way, instead of when you say something like, I'm kind of a loud mouth about this, or I'm kind of a know-it-all about this, you're actually handing the person you just said that to the responsibility to make you feel better about it. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) They don't need that. Right. Like, I don't want to make you feel better all the time. I'm I'm already secretly worrying about it. Right. So if you're just like, hey, I'm really passionate about this topic and I tend to go on and on. And then you say something about them, like being considerate and careful about their feelings to make sure they feel heard, too. Then you set up a really beautiful energy to talk about whatever you're going to talk about. Right. Instead of a weird, insecure competition. Yeah. And that's shadow work right there. Yeah. If someone came up to me and was like, Hey, I have a lot to say about this. I'm super passionate. I would feel so excited to hear what they had to say. Exactly. If someone said, I'm kind of a loudmouth and I never stopped talking. I'm a know-it-all. I would be like, Oh, great. I would be internally sighing and trying to find an exit from the conversation. Yeah. You'd be in like defense mode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Shadow work guys. It's beautiful. Okay. My My next one. (laughs) this one's a little bit different of a, instead of changing the story, sometimes you just need to reclaim a word. Okay. And so this is, this is a word that I was called my entire mother effing life. Still to this day, I get called it. I don't think a week goes by and it is the word bossy. Oh, I know. Same. Now I'm lucky that I grew up with a mother who anytime someone would call me bossy would reinforce that that was a good thing. So like I I was like a very saving grace, but still, I am still very aware that I am a bossy person. I don't like that word. I don't either, but I don't like hearing you say that. Well, you have to reclaim it because what that means, first of all, it's only ever told to, to mostly young girls, but exactly. I'm not that young anymore and I'm still told it, but still, (laughs) The trauma came in like you are the boss in your job. I literally am a boss. Right. Exactly. But um, what people are just meaning is like, oh, you're a leader. Right. So when somebody calls me bossy, I just hear that as, oh, you can see my leadership skills. Yes. Yes. And quite often now, if I'm called that, I say, 
you know what? I, I am, I am a leader. I do like to take the lead. Is there, you're saying bossy, are you feeling upset about something? Have I overstepped something with you? And I bet you can guess how they answer that. <laughs> Was stuttering and tripping over themselves. Yes. Yes. Because exactly. you're trying to insult me about something I am no longer insecure about. And that's powerful. Right. It's always right. men who call me bossy, by the way. It is never women that call me bossy. But I do remember as a kid having like adult women call me bossy as like a warning, like, oh, no, don't be bossy. The boys won't won't like that. And me being like, why the hell would I care if a boy liked that? But exactly. Exactly. The things we do to girls. OK, I'm a leader. I'm a I'm a passionate leader, guys. I have a lot to right. say. Take the power back. Take the power back. Yeah, and I'm a leader. And so if if I if you're call, calling me bossy, I no longer read that as an insult. And the reason why I decided to take that word back instead of changing it is because it's still being it's still being said, right? So in some of your shadow work, instead of completely changing the story, you're just changing your story around what that word means. Right, because you weren't calling yourself bossy. It was how people were describing you. So you can't you can't change their vernacular, but you can change your reaction to it. Yeah. I think it was Beyonce who said like, I'm not bossy. I'm the boss. And I just, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, okay. So I have one more and then I want to, I want to bring up yours and torture you a little bit. Okay. Um, But a word that I used to use to identify myself all the time was the word misfit. Oh, okay. And to me that carried the idea that like I there was just something wrong about me. Like everyone else was the same and I was different. You didn't fit in. No, 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 no. So it was sort of like, I heard misfit as like, um, I don't know. I have like visions of like orphan Annie's singing about being like them all being misfits, like kind of rejects from society. There's the rejection again. Right? I was say, this is rejection. <laughs> yeah. Right. Same as bossy, right? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm being too much of a leader, you know? Right. Also, my ego loves the story that I'm too much. So some people love the story that they're not enough. Mine loves the story that I'm too much. So you'll hear that in these as well, right? Yes. So I'm so different from everybody else. And I operate so differently that, and I think so differently that nobody is going to like me. And so that idea of being a misfit, what I used to do with it would be like, pretend to be someone else or hide these parts of myself and just try to, you know, because I'm intuitive, I can kind of pick up what somebody wants from me. And I would just sort of chameleon into that. Right. You're edit, you're self-editing. Yeah. And if you want to talk about shame, self-editing is just an exercise in allowing your shame to dictate who you are. Well, exactly. I was going to say becoming something that you're not hiding. That's the epitome of shame. Exactly. Exactly. So I just changed the word to rebel. Yes. That's great. <laughs> And it felt better because, you know, the story that like everyone's the same and I'm different is not true. I know that. I know there a lot of people feel that way, right? <laughs> like I know that not everyone is the same and I'm the one different person. I, I know that. But my ego would present me that evidence all the time because the rest of it was in the shadow too much. It wasn't conscious. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. So to just go, oh, I'm rebellious. So, and you can, you can look at the line of all this stuff, right? Like I'm, I'm a critical thinker. So when somebody presents me an idea, I critically and deeply think about it. 
whatever the idea is. Even if I don't agree with it right away and I hate it, I will still think about it for a while and most likely do some research on it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. A lot of research. That's what my brain does. That's the kind of person that I am. And so when you grow up in this culture, in this society, if you don't just kind of agree with all the concepts and and not question them, then you're not going to fit in. Exactly. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not fun when you're like, you know, an adolescent. (laughs) Well, no. And society frowns upon like standing out and thinking differently. Yeah, it, it does. And, you know, I was raised to do that. So it doesn't always mean that like your parents passed on like the generational pattern of it, right? It it just means that even though you were, you know, raised to to be that or like supported in that from your parents, you still go out into a society that's like, no, you know, like I would get in trouble all the time for questioning something that an authority authoritative figure said. And a lot of times I questioned it respectfully, I would like to add. It's just right. just the idea of questioning. And so yeah. that made me, it used to make me create the story that I was a misfit, right? Because why can everyone else just go along with it? There must be something wrong with me. And now I realize that some people need to just be go with the flow or people. And some people need to be the ones who question shit and who dig deeper and to, and go like, we're tearing this bullshit down. I don't like it. And that's who I am. And I, I won't feel shame about it anymore. Do I secretly sometimes wish that I didn't have to deeply think about everything all the time? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> do I feel shame about it anymore, though? No. Right, exactly. And I, I think an interesting point is that, like I said before, that sort of your experience informs how you feel about things. Like, I would consider myself a misfit, and I don't mind that. Yeah, exactly. Because of because of my life experiences, the the things I heard and learned and observed and absorbed, like that doesn't bother me. So, but for you, it does. And that's why you do the shadow work is to look into why, like, why does that, why does this feel so sort of unaligned? Why does this feel so chaotic in me? Yeah. And also why, while you're doing this work, you should definitely go listen to our episode on the, the three fears and the human desire, yeah, the universe exactly. and desires, because people who fear rejection, fear being a misfit all the time. They fear whatever your word is for it, an outcast, a misfit, the right. black sheep, whatever. We fear that because that feels unsafe to us. But people like Jamie, who abandonment is their number one, do not fear that because they they know that they're that way. So they want everyone to see it right away because they would much rather be rejected at the surface than be abandoned later. I was just going to say, I would rather you see me as a misfit and not even have anything to do with me because you're, you're going to abandon me anyways. Exactly. So again, if you understand this about yourself, you're going to understand why the script is like that. You know, ego is a lot more simple than you think, right? Right. It's why it's important to know your universal fear. That's shadow work. Just knowing what it is because Mm -hmm. your ego is avoiding identifying you in certain ways because it's afraid of something. And if you know what it's afraid of, it makes it a lot easier. Exactly. Exactly. One of the ones, one of the shadow work things that you did, um, I don't want to say recently, but maybe like over the last couple of years, maybe a couple of years ago, um, that you still, I still see you address and bring up is something that I hear a lot of people say. All right. And it is that they are lazy. I know. That is a shitty story. And being lazy is not a real thing. I don't, 
I think we could just eliminate that word from life, to be honest. I know. I grapple with that. I tell my, my own kids that, that like lazy isn't a real thing. It's sort of the societal construct that we use to keep the worker bees working and like in the rat race. It's like the capitalism trick, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. But I think what's important to look at is when you would say that you were being lazy or feeling lazy or having a lazy day, and a lot of people do this, or, oh my gosh, I'm just being lazy. What you were actually saying was that you were resting. <laughs> exactly. That I wasn't, I wasn't at a hundred percent grinding myself into the ground, hustling, you weren't, you weren't creating a product or you weren't having like a specific outcome occur that you right. could, that was tangible from what you were doing. Exactly. And exactly. The, the reason why that's a negative thing is because then you would feel shame about it. Right. Because I feel like the story is that everyone around me, everyone in this society is always constantly hustling and working. And so if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing my part or I'm not keeping up or I'm not like doing the most I can for myself and my family. Right. And the thing that I love about the ego is the the best way to identify when you've got a shit story without enough evidence attached to it that's from shadow, right? Is when you wouldn't apply that concept to anyone else except yourself. Exactly. I, I would I tell clients to calm down and rest. You tell people to rest all the time. You tell me to rest every day. Okay. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still healing from surgery. And I told Jamie, I was going to join a gym and she panicked. Marco poloed me like you mean in a few months, right? Like, like, you, mean, like you mean in a couple months, you don't mean right now. Right. Right. <laughs> Part of one of the things that's amazing about Jamie is the permission she gives people to not do that thing. Right. She, but then you to yourself, I mean, I think you've healed most of it now, but for a while would have this idea that like that made you lesser. Right. And I, and exactly. And I think that part of this, and I think the reason why people don't get in intuitive into intuitive work on themselves is because there's, it's not the patriarchy and there's not like one pill to take. There's not one road to travel. Everything. There's so many variables that go into it. So when I, when you talk about me dragging myself or being lazy, it's like, it's almost embarrassing because I know so much more about myself now. Like I know my own personal astrology. I know that I'm a double cancer, that I'm a homebody, that I like to be home. I like to be alone. I'm a Scorpio rising. I like to be alone. That's me. I know that I also have like, I deal with chronic illness. So like I need rest. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're not allowed to say, oh, I'm a double cancer. I got to. I got to take the afternoon off guys. I need some alone time. Like you're not allowed to say that here. You're not allowed to say, Oh, I have a chronic illness. So I really need to like take care of myself because then people are like, Oh, well, what's her problem? She looks fine. Right. Or even that you should have to explain that you have a chronic illness. Your body right. is asking you to rest. And, you know, we live in a society that values accomplishment, right? Right. That's the thing. Like, what did you accomplish today? You know, and it is an accomplishment to say, oh, I rested. I was, I was tired. So I, I allowed myself to rest that is, and then you don't have to say so that I could run a marathon tomorrow just because right. that was your response. That's living intuitively. 
And I fully believe that part of your purpose, Jamie, is to like create a like at least a big blow if you don't take it down fully to capitalism. I hate capitalism. Yeah. See, so can you imagine if you were like stuck in that shame thing about allowing yourself to rest and to not write a nine to five or what? Like, can you imagine how would you take down the thing that you're meant to take down if you had that attitude? Like by design, it makes sense that you would value that. Right. It's the thing that's repressing me is the thing that's making me feel the shame about it. But it's like human beings and especially women who cycle, like we're not, you know, the season cycles, like we talked about in other episodes about like winter being a downtime, you know, we're not supposed to do the same thing every single day. And I'm getting off on a capitalistic tangent, but like, I love that's what, that's what I was doing in my own shadow work was not just looking at like, why do I feel like I'm lazy, but like, what's informing that? Why do I feel like this is laziness? Yeah. And why? So it's not just looking at myself. It's like the shadow of this planet of this country. Right. Exactly. Why am I valuing doing something that hurts my health and my mental health and my well-being and how I enjoy my life? Why am I valuing doing that over doing something right. that takes care of that? Like who taught me that? Exactly. And how do I unlearn it right now? Yeah. Instead of being like, imagine if we bragged and we we're like, I rested all day. I just put on Netflix. I did nothing. My house is a mess. I ordered takeout and I don't care. I didn't even get dressed. I never even put a bra on. It was the best ever, <laughs> right? Like imagine if that was like, and the rest of us were like, oh, you're amazing. How did exactly. you do that? So great. I'm Oh my gosh. I wish I could be that amazing instead of being like, Oh, so lazy of you. Imagine. Exactly. Be incredible. I mean, I, I think that like, the idea early on of like royalty was that you just like sat in a chair all day. So I don't really understand how we got so far away from like wanting to do that. Right. Well, exactly. (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts on that in regard to capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) But see, if you let the lazy story keep going, then you wouldn't be able to educate people and talk about capitalism and like take all these blows at it. You wouldn't be able to do that because you'd be still stuck with that shadow, like that you were dragging around everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not negative energy. It's not like a a demon came in and told you that, like that's not shadow work. It's just something that you didn't process and heal yet. That's it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. Here's what I want everyone to do for an assignment. Yes. I love to give homework. Love homework. Yeah. And it's not because I'm a know-it-all. It's just because I'm (laughs) passionate. Oh my God. <laughs> so here's what bossy and making everyone do work. It's not, it's because I'm a leader and I'm, I'm helping people with my leadership skills. You're passionate about yeah. it. Exactly. I'm a passionate <laughs> leader who is rebellious. <laughs> New story. I like it better. Okay. Every time you feel shame, every time, even if it's just a little, I just want you to pay attention to the story that's causing the shame. I want you to clock it. I want yep. you to notice it. And then if you want that, that in itself is shadow work. You can end there if you want, but take that story and dig yep. into it a little and go, what could I have instead? Like if somebody else, somebody I cared about was telling me this, how would I rewrite the story for them? Rewrite that, do that. Exactly. Right. Yes. And move forward. 
That's all. That's it. And if you're having trouble, you're stuck, then absolutely get like somebody who does this work for a living to help you. But start there and you're going to you're going to be amazed when you first start this work, how often you feel shame over like strange little things. Right. And you're going to start to see a pattern of like, when's that voice in my head that's shit talking me? You're going to start to see a pattern about it. Yes. And and just so you know, it doesn't mean you will completely change. Right. Like I didn't go from fearing being a know-it-all to just talking in every room without a care. I still am like thinking about it. I still like deal with it, but I refuse to apologize and feel shame for it anymore. And that's different. Exactly. So that's where I want everyone to, that's what I'm bossing everyone around and telling them to do. That's how I'm a leader. Figure out your words. And if you want to share them with us, like the trans like the transition you made or a word you took back, we would love to hear it. Yes. And let us know. I want to hear, I want to hear about it. DM us on Instagram or email us. Let us know. Absolutely. All right. Let's go um, bring some shitty shadow stuff into the light. What do you say? I'm on. Let's do it. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please Go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on. Can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.